0: Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for gathering. We count it as a privilege that you would gather together to worship Jesus with us. My name is Matt Rawlings, one of the pastors here. I want to add my welcome um, to Aaron's. We are grateful that you would come and worship Jesus, come and sing songs together. How weird is that, that you get together with a group of other people and sing? And that would be weird if we didn't sing about sing about the goodness of God. We sing about the grace of God that carries us and sustains us in the midst of troubles, in the midst of trials, in the midst of sin. Grace is what has transformed us and it's our hope for His grace and His gospel to transform everyone in the world. that's, that's, that's what our hope is and so that's why we gather together to sing. So thanks for joining with us to do that. And thanks for gathering with us to hear God's word being preached. We believe that His word is powerful, that is living, that's active. And it is sharper than a two-edged sword, it pierces the vision of the soul, and, spirit. and it helps us understand who we are, who he is, and helps us know him. Um, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 4. We are in the middle of a study on the letter, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. He has written to them because he loves them, but he has written to them some hard words. The first few chapters, really, he's explained to them what his own life example looks like, and he's explained what he believes and what his hope and his confidence is in, and that he has reiterated the fact that, that he proclaims Jesus Christ and him crucified, and that's his hope. He affirms then how he's seeking to live, and then he's bringing correction to them. And he's brought correction to them already, we've seen in the, in the previous few weeks. And now, though, he kind of takes a step back. The tone changes. Last week we saw that, that he, got, he got a little bit sarcastic with them. And he corrected them pretty strongly. And then he takes a pause, and because this is not just a theological treatise, this is a letter to people he loves. And so the tone shifts, the tone changes to that of a loving parent, a loving father, and that's how, how we're meant to receive these words as well. These, these words were written to the, to the church in Corinth, but really we're to receive these words as words from a loving Father meant to help us, meant to guide us and lead us. We might not be having the same difficulties the Corinthians have, and, I, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful that our church doesn't resemble the church in Corinth in many ways. But these words are still applicable for us, that God's word is... Is meant to keep us from being like the church in Corinth. So let's listen to God's word today. First Corinthians 4, verses 15 to 21. Or 14 to 21, sorry. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That's why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out, not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod, or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Let's pray that that God would help us apply these words to our lives. Father, we... We want to learn from Paul's instruction to the church in Corinth because, Lord, ultimately we believe that that all of scripture is breathed out by you and is profitable for our instruction so lord enable us to profit from this today lord open up our minds lord enable us to hear and be attentive to your word soften our hearts god i pray that you would empower me by your holy spirit to be able to preach lord that is something i can't do on my own and lord would you empower each and every one of us to receive your word that's something we can't do on our own We ask you for your grace, knowing that you desire to impart your grace because you love us as your children. In your name we pray, amen. I still remember as an early, as a young parent, one of the very first times that I saw one of my children doing something that they shouldn't have done, and I thought, where did they get that from? And and then I was thinking, you know, maybe that's from TV, or maybe it's from people or maybe some other people they saw or maybe it was in their little sports things they were doing at the time. And then I realized, oh no, not any of those places. They got that from me. You ever have that experience as a parent? That is not a pleasant thing when it's not pleasant behavior. Now, I, I still remember feeling that, oh my goodness, they got that from me. They, they, they learned that kind of attitude from me, they learned that kind of way of speaking from me. They learned that kind of way of doing things and treating people from me. Oh my goodness, there's a responsibility that I have. Sometimes when I saw them do some things, sometimes it was funny and I laughed. Other times it was because it revealed something in me and it was a motivator. One of the most humbling things about parenting is that sometimes your behavior is really not what it should be, Right? But one of the most humbling things about being a parent is that, that, that your kids get to see your behavior unvarnished and, and unfiltered in a way that no one else does. And I don't envy my own kids because of that. Um, as kids, you see the person behind the curtain. Now, hopefully, hopefully we're all continuing to grow and change. Hopefully we're all continuing to develop. Hopefully we're all growing and learning from our mistakes. And hopefully we're walking out examples of being humble. Not perfect, but being humble, showing our need for God, repenting. Hopefully that's happening as parents. Um, the example we see here um, from the Apostle Paul, he's talking about an example of parenting. He, he refers to them as his children. And he says that, I'm your father. I'm your father, and, and I'm referring to you as children. And, and what, he's, what he's trying to show them is that, that he has been an example to them. He has a responsibility as a father, but he also is living out his life as an example to him. And Paul is talking about being a parent to the church in Corinth. And you might think that's a little strange because Paul was single. He never had any biological kids. But he calls them his beloved children refers to them as children and he says, I'm your father. He has, he has planted the spiritual seeds that have resulted in new life in Christ through planting the seeds of the gospel, and, and that's given birth to spiritual children. In Paul, he urges them to do something in this passage that almost seems a little bit proud, right? He says, imitate me. But he's talking about the reality of the fact that that parents... Are going to be imitated. And that, that people who bring others to Christ, they're by nature going to have those people imitate them. And he's encouraging that, he's, he's urging them to imitate him like a loving father would want his children to imitate them. And, and the, really, the, the main thrust of the passage, what we need to take away from this passage is not that, that we're going to be Paul, we're going to be apostles, that we're going, to, we're going to do all the things that Paul did, but no, but we can be imitators in following Christ. The same command that Paul gave to the church in Corinth when he says, be imitators of me, that still applies to us too. We're to be imitators to some degree, really. All of us are spiritual children of the apostles. All of us have received those same seeds that the apostles planted, and we are descendants of the apostles who really birthed, New life in Christ by planting the seeds of the gospel. And so Paul is saying, be imitators in following Christ. And and you you think about what does Paul mean? What is he saying when he says, imitate me? That that word is loaded because Paul has already explained all of the different ways following Christ, hasn't he? He's he's explained all the ways that he knows Christ, that that he has put his hope in Jesus Christ, that his hope is in the grace of Jesus Christ. And then he says, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really distant. I'm going to be with you. I sent Timothy to you, and I want him to tell you my ways to imitate as well so that you can hear all the ways that that I live, that I seek to apply the gospel to my life. That's why I'm sending you Timothy. And by the way, I'm not going to be an absentee parent. I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to come to you and hold you accountable like a good parent will. This whole passage really speaks to what it means to be a spiritual parent, so how does that apply to us? Are we, are, we, are we to be spiritual parents? Well, well, yes, we are. Really, the whole Christian life is about that, right? Because what's, what's Paul, t- he's using the word for parenting, he's using the metaphor for parenting to really point to a greater reality, the fact that, that the people in the church in Corinth were his disciples. They are his followers. They were to follow him as he followed Christ. And isn't that what Jesus called us to do as well? He called us to go and to make disciples. What are disciples? but people who follow us. They're meant to follow us as what? As we follow Jesus. Paul, he wasn't unfamiliar with them. He loved them. He taught them. He founded the church in Corinth. In Acts Acts 18, we see that that Paul, he he was there with them. I think we have that passage. He says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, native of Pontus, recently came from Italy with his wife Priscilla, and he went to see them. And he was the same trade, and so he stayed with them and he worked with them and he lived life with them. They were all tent makers by trade. He lived with them. He reasoned with them in the synagogue. And when that didn't go well with the Gentiles, then he moved in, I mean, with the Jews, then he moved in with a Gentile. He left there. In verse 7, it says, Went to the house of a man named Titus Justus. His house was next to the synagogue, and he continued to reach out to them. And then people in the area there came to know him. The rule of the synagogue, Crispus, came to. No, Jesus. Verse eight says, "Many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. Paul lived with them. He was with them. He lived life in their midst. He taught them. And then it says in verse 11, he stayed with them a year and six months, teaching the Word of God among them. He, he urged the Corinthians to, to imitate him because he knew that they knew him and he knew them. He wasn't distant from them. He spent time with them. He developed them. He taught the word of God for them, and he modeled what it looked like. And so he urges them, hey, be imitators of me. Be imitators of me. And so you think, "Well, okay, how does it apply to us, Paul, today? And we see really that, that he's, we can imitate him in a few ways. We can can imitate him, first of all, in in making disciples. We can be imitators in making disciples. That's what he had done when he was with the people in the church in Corinth. He had made disciples. seems kind of obvious, but in order to make a disciple, you have to be one. Paul, he didn't didn't start off as a believer in life. He actually started off as one of the worst people you can imagine. Paul, do you remember his story? He started off as this self-righteous, smug, Arrogant individual. He thought he was following God, but in reality, he was persecuting Christians, persecuting Christ himself. Paul, he was a hater of Christ and he hated Christians. He was a proud legalist. He was a persecutor. He was a murderer. Now, That's that's actually meant to give us hope that, that Jesus can transform us no matter what our background is. He can transform anyone, no matter what the background, that, that Jesus transformed the life of Paul, and he can transform our lives. He was transformed by the power of God personally. And so instead of being a persecutor, he became one who proclaimed the good news of Jesus. But Paul knew he didn't do that himself. And he told the Corinthians that he says, I, I didn't I didn't I didn't I don't have anything to boast about in myself, right? He knew that he is, he is a recipient of the grace of God, and he encouraged them to follow him in that way too. And so for us. We have to first ask ourselves, well, one, are you a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ? Have you been saved by the grace of God? Have you put your trust, your hope in him? And then if so, is that where your confidence lies? Is that where your trust is? Is that where your hope is? Have you renounced all boasting? Have you followed Paul in that way? Paul knew that he didn't even convict himself. He he needed to receive a personal revelation from Jesus. He didn't transform himself. Do you understand that? You don't transform yourself. That's actually something God does to you. And and by his grace, by the gospel, by hearing his word, you were then transformed, changed. Paul didn't see himself as worthy in and of himself. Actually, in 1 Corinthians 15, he, he says, For I am least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church but well, by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace towards me wasn't in vain. He didn't think he was worthy on his own, but he trusted that he was completely worthy in Christ. Christian, are you trusting that you are completely worthy in Christ or are you imitating Paul that way? Are you seeing that your very identity is completely secure in him? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to keep it. You don't add to it. But your hope is in Jesus Christ alone. Is that your confidence? It can be. Paul was transformed by the gospel of God's grace. And so he called others to imitate him. Now how do we how do we imitate Paul? First by being a disciple. And, and one of the ways that, that that we can imitate the Apostle Paul is that he taught others, right? We see that, that he came to Corinth and he taught them. That's the, one of the first things he did. He came proclaiming the good news about Jesus Christ. He didn't proclaim himself. He didn't proclaim the fact that he somehow pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. He didn't proclaim his own wisdom. He didn't proclaim his own knowledge. He didn't proclaim worldly understanding. He didn't say, you know what, you can, if you do all these things, you can have a good life. No, he proclaimed Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And he told them that, that one of the reasons he sent Timothy to them was so they could could know the same way that he lived. They could hear the same thing that he taught in every church everywhere. Making disciples means that we we labor to teach and proclaim Jesus Christ. And that we labor as well to to live like Jesus Christ so that others might see our ways. Paul's, Paul's... occupation was a tent maker in Corinth. And actually, he tells them later that he, he intentionally did not receive from them because he didn't want them to, to think that somehow he was beholden to them. He was, he was a tent maker, but that wasn't what his main mission was. His main mission was to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what you're pursuing right now in your occupation, what is your main mission in life? Is it to obey the call, the command of Jesus to make disciples? Or are you subtly being deluded into thinking that your occupation and what you're working towards, that's your main mission? No, it's just the means by which you carry that mission out. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 17, he says, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be empty of his power. We can, we can imitate Paul in, in not trusting in, in eloquence and in words but we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's good news because we don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to have it all figured out and how you are gonna lay, perfectly lay out the gospel. Paul says, no, I didn't come to you with eloquent words. That's what they were hammering him on because he didn't sound too convincing. He didn't teach the wisdom of this age. We saw in, in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come proclaiming He said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Is that the main message that we seek to know amongst other people? Are we living that out? I want to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not only in my life, but in everything that I do and everything I proclaim. Our faith rests in this good news about Jesus Christ. It's the power and wisdom of God. Paul said he imparted the words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, imparting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Making spiritual children or making disciples, it involves proclaiming and teaching, but it involves something else, too. Paul wasn't just teaching them. He said, I'm sending you Timothy so you can know about all the ways that I lived, I also want him to remind you about how I lived among you. I want him to remind you of my example. We make disciples not just by teaching, but we make disciples by example. Now that can be intimidating, right? Because sometimes my example is not what it should be. What do we do when that's the case? What do we do when our example isn't what it should be? Well, the first thing we do is we admit that we need Jesus to transform us. We need him to change us. We confess sin And when we're open and transparent about that, we confess our need for him. And actually, in doing that, that in itself is an example of what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is is people who are living humbly before him, acknowledging that it requires his power, his grace to live for him, and that he is the one who must forgive us and make us like him. I went to a 4th of July celebration at Heritage Park, obviously a couple months ago and um, went with my oldest son, Noah. The rest of the family was on vacation up in Virginia, and so we went there, and we were going to go early to, to listen to some country singer. I, I knew of his name, but I didn't really know any songs he had done before. And, but, he, but he sang a song that I'd heard before that kind of got to me, and it was called Watching You. And, and I remember that that The effect that it had on me, and it was a deep effect, because I was sitting there with my oldest son, and I was thinking, boy, what, what has my example been? What should my example be? He, he sang this song, I'll share some of the words. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that he's a Christian, I can't recommend his other songs to you, but but it affected me because it told of the power of example. The song's a story about the, the singer's little boy who was watching him, and and they stopped really abruptly at a red light, and his son was holding a tray with some, some nuggets and fries and an orange drink, and he stopped real quickly, and it spilled, and a swear word came out of his son's mouth. And so in the song, he's asking, where, where did you learn to talk like that? And he says, Dad, I've been watching you. Uh, he says, I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you. And eat all my food and grow as tall as you are. We're like fixing things and holding mama's hand. Yeah, we're just alike. Hey, aren't we, Dad? I want to do everything you do, so I've been watching you. And then he, he tells a story. He says, he says, when we got back home, I went to the barn. I bowed my head and I prayed real hard. I said, Lord, please help me help my stupid self. Then the side of bedtime, later that night, turned on my son's Scooby-Doo nightlight. He crawled out of bed and he got down on his knees. He closed his eyes, folded his hands, and spoke to God like he was talking to a friend. And I said, son, now where'd you learn to pray like that? And he said, he'd been watching you. So he says, with tears in my eyes, I wrapped him in a big hug. I said, my little bear's growing up. And he said, but when I'm big, I'll still know what to do because I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you and eat all my food and grow as tall as you are. Then I'll be strong as Superman and we'll be just like, hey, won't we, Dad? We can, I can do everything you do because I've been watching you. It struck me that as a parent, setting an example, and unfortunately, it's not always a good example, it convicted me too that I want to be different. I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to be a better example. In the Apostle Paul, he's speaking to a reality of the fact that 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 we actually—that's what we have, what we do. That's how we make disciples. That's how we grow as disciples. We watch other people's examples. We hear the we watch how people live out constantly here. All right. Do you want me to get another mic, or what do you want me to do, Steve? Get that other, that handheld? I can't see you, so you have to shout. All right, thank you. Glasses on, otherwise I wouldn't be able to see my notes close up, but when I don't have my glasses on, I can't see things far away. So in case you're wondering, I can't see up there really, I just see blur. Up top, so I see a a blur standing up there. Thank you, Steve, for helping us and serving us. Thanks for, thanks for, thanks for switching. What's that? Somebody's watching. Somebody's watching me. Okay, you're watching me. Thank you. That's great. Ain't that cool? (laughs) I'll take that as a compliment, Tim. I'll wear a cowboy hat next week for you. See, the truth is, is that people watch. That's convicting, isn't it? Not just our own physical children watching us, but Paul knew that truth, and, and he sought to live. Not, he wasn't a perfect man. We don't know all of Paul's little foibles and all of his weird preferences and all the things he did and the tics he had, but obviously he wasn't perfect. But he was seeking to... Forget what lies behind him and press on towards the goal, towards the prize. And that's what he was living for. And so he said, I, I, I want you to imitate me. How can we imitate Paul? By, by being an example worthy of being imitated. It doesn't mean being perfect. And maybe you're here right now and you're thinking, oh my goodness. Right now I'm aware of all the ways I'm not an example. That's okay. You know why? Paul was a murderer who was changed by the grace of God. And and God transformed him into being an example worthy of following. You might be aware that you're not an example right now in every way worthy of following. Here's the hope we have, the same hope Paul had, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It transforms us so that we can, day by day, learn how to live following Jesus. But it implies some things. It implies that we're going to need to know the gospel and apply it to our own lives every day. That we're going to need to know how to How to to apply Jesus Christ and him crucified? As put, Paul said, I decided to know nothing among you. What does he mean? He means that every day he was deciding to live as if all of his sins are taken care of in Christ because they are at the cross. He was deciding to every day live in the good of the cross because, because we are dead to sin. We've been made alive in Christ. And so we have hope each and every day for his power to transform us so his grace to make us alive. Now it means, though, that we have to be diligent. We have to be faithful in pursuing and seeking to understand how in the world do we apply this thing called the gospel to our lives? How do we live in the good of that? And Paul says, be imitators of me. And How do we, how do we follow him? How do we benefit from him? We, we can do that by teaching the gospel, but then we do it by doing the hard work of actually trying to live that way each and every day. They were to imitate him, as so far as his behavior, it it corresponded to the gospel. He gave them his example, and he wants them to imitate him in imitating Christ. And he says in verse seventeen, he says, "That's why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child, to remind you of my ways in Christ." Like I teach them to everybody in, in every church. Now you have to remember that they probably didn't have the Old Testament. They they probably wasn't at least widely available in their church in Corinth. They didn't have a printing press. They, they might not even have had the Gospels available to them. What they needed was people to teach them and then model what does it look like to actually try to be a Christian each and every day. And that's how we're meant to make other followers of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what Jesus commanded? He says, he says go and make disciples. What did he say? Teaching them and then teaching them what? You can say it out loud. Teaching them what? There's two words teaching them. Go in every. What, what does he say? Teaching them to obey, right? Teaching them to obey. What does that mean? That that we're going to teach other people to obey, not just by telling them how to obey, but but by seeking to obey ourselves, so we can imitate Paul in seeking to obey Christ, and teaching others through our speech and also through our life every Christian is meant to do that. It's Paul's not being arrogant. That's just the way that people learn. That's the way that I learn. I think back to some of the ways uh, that I've learned from other people. I want you to think for a moment. who, Who is it that's influenced you the most in the past? Hasn't it been the people who you've seen live out what they say they believe? Where have you been disappointed with people the most? Isn't it with people who profess one thing and then don't live that out? And, and in a way, that's an influence, too, because you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. We are meant to live out the good news of Jesus Christ each and every day, and we're meant to to communicate that good news both in words and also in the way that we live. We can be like Paul by being people who not only follow the teaching of Christ, but are seeking to apply the teaching of Christ to our daily lives. and. I can, I can think through so many examples of people who have lived passionately for Jesus and that's inspired me to want to be like them. People who've lived sacrificial lives, who've, who've given things up. Who, who can you think of? You don't have to say that out loud, but who can you think of that's, that's been passionate about Jesus? You think Yes, I want to be like that. Who can you think about that, that's, that's lived a sacrificial life where they put Jesus first in their life and you're like, yes, I want to be like that. That's what we're meant to be and that by God's grace we can be. Not perfectly, but where we fall down, we can seek to model that in confession and repentance. We have to ask ourselves, are we making ourselves, though, accessible to other people in that way? Are are we allowing people to see our example? Are we being transparent? Are Are we discipling people that way, deliberately? Are we bringing them into our lives? The question is, is the power of the gospel in Jesus Christ, is it evident in our lives? If not, why not? And then would we seek afresh to apply the word? Just correct teaching isn't sufficient. Transformed living by the gospel of Jesus Christ is what we're all called to. And, but the question is, does, our, does the, the walk of our lives match the talk of our public words? What's another way we see in this passage that we can imitate Paul? Well, it's not just in, in making disciples or making spiritual children and being spiritual parents. It's, it's also in, in being imitators and loving people like family. Be imitators and loving like family. I remember many times we would fly when we lived in Vancouver, British Columbia. We would, we would fly with our children all the way back east. It was a long flight. The kids were tired. Sometimes they weren't perfect most of the time, they were great. Once in a while, they would fuss. It's understandable. We were dragging them 3,000 miles across through three time zones, and, and they were going up and down. They experienced physiological changes, and of course, they would fuss. That was normal. As parents, we loved them. We gently would try to correct them sometimes. Other times, we'd just say, I get it. I know that you're tired. I know that you're hungry. I know this is a pain. We're going to get through this. But you know what? People around them who weren't their parents were not always so understanding. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been around a kid that's not your own on a plane, but sometimes you lack the compassion that a parent has, right? Now, hopefully, we have that compassion because we have been children ourselves, but um, sometimes those people, you know what they would do? They would make comments to my kids, they would correct my kids. You know what I would do? I would tell my kids, don't listen to them. I don't care, they're not your parents. They don't love you. Now, fortunately, by God's grace, I didn't always tell those people what I thought. I wanted to because they didn't love my kids. They didn't have my kids' best interests in mind. They didn't want what was best for my children. They didn't know them. I did. And Paul, he gives us an example. He he doesn't give us an example of somebody who's distant, who's just spouting out advice. He gives us an example as a father. Father. He loves them like his family. He says, you're my beloved children. You're my dearly loved children. I love you. He knew them. He loved them. We can be imitators in loving fellow disciples and those we disciple like family. Love them like family. You know why? Because, first of all, they are, right? We're fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We have a common parent, but in, in some sense, we too can have spiritual children, people who we plant the seed of the gospel, and, and through Jesus Christ, they become believers. And what are we called to? We're not just called to leave them alone. We're called to love them like family, like Paul did. He had concern for them like his family. He loved them dearly. He loved them deeply. He said, I'm not coming to you to make you feel ashamed. The reason why I'm telling you all these hard things is because I love you, and I want to admonish you, and I want to warn you or entreat you to be different. I love you, and I don't want you to, to go down the path that's going to be harmful for you. When, when we, we bring correction to fellow disciples, do you see that they're, they're your family? Do you love them? And, and I, I think we need to follow Paul's example and say, okay, if you're, if you're wanting to correct somebody and you have no affection for them, just don't do it. Love them like family. That's what we see. Paul, Paul brings correction, but he never brings correction when he doesn't have affection. He has a, a loving, godly affection for them. And he knew that the way that they were going, it was, gonna, it, was, it was fracturing the church, it was causing damage, it was causing harm. With my own kids, when I give them advice, when I tell them what to do, it's not just because I want them to conform, it's because I want them to avoid some of the things, hardships and difficulties and mistakes and the pain that I went through. I want them to learn from my mistakes so they don't make the exact same ones. Now, I know that the reality is they're going to fail, they're going to falter, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to have issues. That's okay. I love them. I'm for them. I'm not going anywhere. Paul wasn't going anywhere. He still loved the church in Corinth. Even though he was over in Ephesus at the time, he still loved them like family, and he held them dearly, and he prayed for them day and night with tears. Do you love your fellow disciples that way? Do you love those you bring into Jesus with that same affection? Knowing that that's how the Father loves you and that Jesus loves us completely in Him. The wisdom of the world was enslaving them to the things of the world and, and Jesus came to set them free from living for the things of the world. And so, because Paul loved them, he admonished them, he was among them like family, he loved them like family, and he put up with stuff, he didn't abandon them, he could have, he could have said, hey, church in Corinth, you're doing some crazy stuff, you're acting in a way that's not okay, and you know what, I'm done with you. And by the way, since you, you're, you're telling me that like, you don't like me, you don't like the way that I preach and teach, uh, you think that I'm weak, you think I'm feeble, not impressive, I'm done with you. He could have done that, Right? You ever feel like doing that with fellow believers? Are fellow believers ever difficult? You ever have somebody tell you they don't really like you? They don't like the way you do things. They don't like the way you talk. They don't like the way you look. They don't like the way you act. Paul did. What did he do? He loved them like family. And then he leaned in because he loved them. They were acting like they already arrived. They were already mature in Paul's concern. He says, I want you to grow, and that's going to keep you from growing. He wanted their best. He wanted them to be like Jesus. He wanted them to know Christ. And so that's why Paul pressed in. He loved them like family, like dearly loved children. I love how he put it, he says, You have countless guides, you have countless tutors, or you have countless guardians. In the Greek world, they would hire these tutors or guardians to to be with children during the day to protect them, to school them, to be with them. But if they messed up, the guardian could be fired, and so they could have countless guardians. And the guardians only cared as long as they were getting paid. And they could be replaced. Paul's saying, I don't love you like that. I, I love you like a father. And there's no replacing me. You only got one. I became your father in Jesus Christ, the gospel. He he owned his relationship with them and saw he had a responsibility to them as family, to love them like family. Do you know that's how God sees us in our family, that he calls us to love each other like brothers and sisters? He calls us to love each other like this? Do you see that? Do you disciple people like that? Do you take a personal responsibility? Do you love like family? Third way we can be imitators of Paul and following Christ is by being involved. We can be disciples, be imitators of him by being involved. Now, where do I get that from? Paul is saying, hey, some people are arrogant, and they're saying, I'm not going to come, but you know what? I'm going to be there. I'm going to be involved. I am involved. I've heard from Chloe's people, and I didn't check out. I didn't walk away. I'm not an absentee parent. I remember when, unfortunately, to my shame... My parents, it's the the common trope, at least back in the 80s, I hope it's not today, but when your parents would go out of town and you were home as a teenager, good stuff didn't happen all the time, I'll just say that. And I remember having people over that I knew my parents wouldn't want to have over and because I didn't think they would find out. I didn't think they would know. Some things they didn't, other things they did. Because I was a dumb teenager. They thought that Paul is distant. And that means he doesn't care about us. He's not going to be involved. And and he not only cares about them, he's involved in their lives. And he's saying, I'm not going to... I'm not going to remain distant. I'm going to continue to be involved in your life, even if I am distant here. And if the Lord wills, I'm going to try to be back. I'm going to try to be with you. Do whatever I can to care for you, to love you, to be involved in your life. And then we also see through his example that that's how he lived when he was there. He was with them for 18 months. He worked among them. He ate with them. He talked with them. He went to worship with them. It tells us really that's how the early church functioned, right? In Acts 2, 42, it, it talks about that, that they, they ate together. They worshiped God. They went to the temple together. They, they did life together. They broke bread together. They, everything they did was together. And in that, through that, the God, God helped them grow and mature. We can be imitators of Paul by, by continuing to be involved in caring. Not being distant. Sometimes doing hard things, saying hard things where they needed to be said. And he says something interesting. He says, I'm going to find out if, if, there's, if their life is all talk or if there's any power to what they say. They, they claim that they have a lot of wisdom. They claim they have a lot of understanding. They claim to have the, the corner on how to live the Christian life, but the reality is their life doesn't match up what they're saying. So I'm going to come. I'm going to find out. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to help hold them accountable. And, and that's how we're called to live too. Not, not unlovingly. Remember that it, what preceded this is Paul's love and his affection for them. His care for them. But, but he's concerned because he says, some among you, they're, they're all hat and no cattle, to use a, a, a Texas expression. In case you don't know what that means, I can talk to you later. It means they're, they're all hot air. They're just all a bunch of talk. They look like a cowboy, but they don't have any cows. Um, their, their wisdom didn't enable people to truly grow in Christ. He says, so I'm going to see if the way that they live... If there's any power in it, because there's true power in the gospel and living for Jesus Christ. And and that is the power of God for not only for salvation, but for all of us who believe it's the power that transforms us. That's the hope. He says the kingdom of God, it doesn't consist in talk, but in power. It doesn't consist in a lot of eloquent words, but it consists in actually living that out and seeing the power of God transform our lives day by day. And Paul says, I'm going to come and find out how you're really living and, and if there's really any power to these things you're saying that have power or not. He was, in, he, he was involved with them. He loved them. He cared about them. He was coming to help them and care for them like a loving parent. He knew them. And he was not going to let them get away with things. He was going to hold them accountable, lovingly. It, it speaks really of his relationship with them. He, was, he lived in community with them, and that community didn't stop he was going to continue to share his life with them. You know, are, are you living in community? Are you living that way? Are you living in a way that you can be known and where you know other people? Are you sharing your life with people where you can see them up close? And are you concerned about them when they are astraying? Do you gently come alongside them like loving family? Do you admonish them? Do you help encourage them? Do you help bear them up when they fall down? Do you bear with weaker brothers and sisters? Sometimes we can love and, and think that it's not loving to admonish, to warn, to encourage. And, and Paul says, don't love like that. I want you to, to be imitators of me. And he's also talking about imitating him in this current moment where he's admonishing them. If if you're loving people and you're ignoring areas where they are disobeying God, then, then we're just being permissive and uncaring. At the same time, we're... If, if we just are correcting people and not loving them, then we're being harsh legalists. And Paul here, he's, mo- he's modeling love-motivated admonishment. He's entreating those who have gone astray out of a heart of compassion. A guy named Anthony Thistleton, he wrote that, that the opposite of love is not wrath but indifference. Paul was involved. He cared about them. If Paul didn't love them, he wouldn't have bothered at all why should he he was already he did his job he moved on but he loved them he was involved with them he was lovingly addressing admonishing encouraging correcting all the time pointing them to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and him crucified for us today we have to we have to ask ourselves are we living in community with other believers are we sharing our lives with them or are we just around people for limited times and not living our lives together with them. Are we being known and are we being able to be known? Are we being examples in how we're seeking to follow Jesus Christ? Are we following the pattern of Christ? Are we, are we following the pattern of Paul and doing life together and discipling others and, and letting them see what it means to try to live a truly godly lifestyle by forgetting the past, by pressing on to our prize or our call. Paul's modeling love-motivated warning and teaching and entreating. And we can imitate Paul by being disciples who are making disciples, by loving people like family and by being involved. Now, we don't do these things just because we should. We do these things because we have been transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. The grace of Jesus Christ has rescued us. It's made all of us who were like Paul, murderers at heart at least. It's it's made all of us who are murderers now reconciled to God by his grace. Jesus has forgiven us and made us new and given us hope and poured out his grace on us and given us his mercy and made us alive in him so that we can walk in newness of life and we can be transformed day by day. As we apply his word, it transforms our thoughts, our lives. And we have the joy of knowing that that we will stand guiltless, as Paul talked about in the beginning of Corinthians. We will stand guiltless before him on that final day. That's our joy. That's our hope. That's our confidence. And we want other people to know that confidence. And that is why we can seek to be imitators of Paul. Amen? Well, let's pray and have the band come up, and we'll we'll close the song. Father, we don't want to be all talk and no power. Where we have been bad examples, Lord, where we haven't lived for you, Lord, thank you that we can confess our sin and receive complete forgiveness and cleansing from all unrighteousness. Thank you that we have great hope in you to make us new each and every day. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Even when we're not faithful, great is your faithfulness. So, God, we we come to you and ask you to enable us to be faithful in you, trusting in your faithfulness. Trusting not in our own power, but trusting in your Holy Spirit-enabled power. And, Lord, would would you help us be like you so that we might draw others to you? God, thank you that you partner together with us in this, and thank you that you don't leave us alone, but you give us your spirit in this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.